When you need to refuel between meetings or running errands, or you just want a healthy snack that squashes your hunger, wonderful pistachios, which come in a variety of flavors and sizes, by the way, are the perfect choice to fill you up and keep you going throughout the day. Wonderful Pistachios is also a good source of protein and a zero-guilt snack. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, guys, which gives you over 10% of your daily value. And with flavors like salt and pepper, sweet chili, and seasoned salt in the shelled variety, options like chili roasted, sea salt, and vinegar or jalapeno lime in the no-shell variety, you're sure to please your taste buds while snacking healthy. So check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, who has not taken advantage of the week free trial of the fitness app yet. Check it out. It is a one-stop shop for all your fitness, nutrition, and wellness needs. Custom meal plans, personalized workout programs, meditations, sleep programs, community support, and so much more. You can use it on any device, anywhere, any place, anytime. No equipment needed or all the equipment in the world is in there. There's yoga, there's kickboxing, there's audio only workouts, there's HIIT training, weight loss programs, prenatal programs, anything and everything you can think of is in the fitness app. And if you go to the fitnessapp.com slash podcast deal, you can get 25% off an annual subscription for $89.99 a year. So check it out and start your free trial today. Welcome to Keeping It Real Conversations with Jillian Michaels. All right, team. Today's conversation is with Rabbi Danya Ruttenberg. And we're going to be talking about her new book. It's called On Repentance and Repair, Making Amends in an Unapologetic World. Um, and you know what really resonated with me about the title of this book, which I just got and the subtitle of the book resonated with me so much. I said yes to her as a guest before having had a chance to even read the book is the fact that, you know, we always talk about forgiveness and anyway, you know, we got to forgive, got to forgive. You need to be forgiving. And don't get me wrong. I, I, I think that's critical and I think it's important. Um, I think it's important uh, in order to facilitate somebody making amends, right? Because if you feel as though, the amends you make and the responsibility you take are going to fall on deaf ears, or you're going to show up on bended knee and get clubbed over the head, you're far less inclined to take the chance, right? Even though I, I believe in some 12-step programs, it's like, it doesn't matter the response you get, you need to do it. And I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying with forgiveness, it definitely makes people more inclined. It, it brings a safer space. I myself have even written about the concept of forgiveness and how hard it is and how I personally have held on to grudges, even though it doesn't serve. And we've talked about it on the show, right? It's like, you know, not forgiving is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. We forgive for our own sanity. And I, I could go on and on about how important it is, but that's the whole point is that I already have. And so have a million other people, but nobody's really taking on taking responsibility. Now, you know, it is an unapologetic world right now. And I don't agree with that personally. I think everybody's quick to attack and everybody's quick to accuse and everybody's quick to be offended. But we're still not talking about the taking responsibility piece. Um, and we're going we're gonna to talk to um, Rabbi Ruttenberg about this culturally. And I think we may clash a little bit. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, from, from thumbing through the book, I think there are parts we're going to disagree on there. But the interpersonal stuff, I'm pretty sure we're 100% on the same page. And I'm talking about, you know, the, the mistakes we make 
with the kids, the significant other, or the parent, the sibling. And that's the hardest, man. I think that's the hardest, Cindy. It's interesting because this is all, this is the work my sister does. One thing that she said to me that has really always stuck was your intent doesn't change the impact. And we like to think, oh, oh, you didn't, you didn't mean to be mean when you said that, okay, now it doesn't hurt me. But the truth is, if you get hit by a car, Mm. it doesn't matter if it was an accident or somebody aimed for you. The, the impact is the same. The injury is the same. And that's very, very hard. If you're the, if you were the driver, let's say of whatever um, the, your impact was, Right. Um, it's very hard to, to, you know, yeah, but, but I didn't mean it. And, and it's us letting go of, that doesn't matter if, if somebody's hurt, if your kid falls and, and they, you look at their knee and it's, it's not even bleeding. You're like, you're okay. It's fine. It doesn't hurt, but that's negating their feelings and it does hurt them. It may not have hurt you, but it does hurt them. But there's the difference there, though, is like if they fall, no one's saying you shoved them. And this is where I think it's complicated. No, it's the feeling, though. It's it's the it's the you shouldn't right. have that feeling. You shouldn't you shouldn't be insulted by that. But there's a difference. I'm sorry you feel that way, though. And I, and I and I did something wrong and I'm a bad person. And this is where the, the cultural stuff. I don't. But it's not saying you're a bad person. I'm sorry. It's 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 saying. It's when you're, I'm, I'm sorry, you feel that way can also be a way to just uh, completely deflect the whole thing. But if you go back and it's, I'm sorry, what I said had this effect on you. And then you have a discussion about it because you don't see a difference between a mistake and malicious intent. I see a, I see a difference on the person who made the mistake or made the malicious uh, intent, I don't see a difference on the impact to the, to the it person. has on the okay. person who is who was wounded or injured, uh, whether it be emotionally or physically. But I think there are levels. So, for example, if I'm driving the car and it's like genuinely right, like there's an accident, like an accident is an accident. OK, but then that's why there's manslaughter manslaughter second third what all those things right murder in the first because there's like there's levels of of bad I'm, acting. I'm, I'm not saying about the i'm not talking about the punishment or i'm, I'm talking about the impact i know mm. it sounds a little literal when talking about a car accident no i get it but that's the example i've always right. had in my yeah i've used in my head to sort of understand it it's it, it's anything from when somebody says wow that that really offends me you're like really that wouldn't offend me. Mm. I think that though, to me, that's very different, right? If someone's like, you said this and I'm offended, my answer would be, I'm sorry. I did not mean to offend you. And then in my mind, I'd be like, don't say that word around so-and-so, but it wouldn't impact me as like work I need to do. I'd actually think it was work they need to do a lot of the time. I hate to say like, if, if somebody's like, if, if it wasn't something that was an actual bad thing, that's, that's where I'm saying culturally, I, I think we've gone off the fucking deep end. I, I do. I think there, of course, there are things that are wrong that, you know, there, and there needs to be a learning process. But in some cases, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I definitely have some differences in opinion with her, you know, in the cultural stuff. And she she could be right. I could be wrong. It's definitely possible, obviously. Um, but where it, really, where it really hits home for me is the interpersonal stuff. And that's the where I think you're going to see the biggest impact. If you're at work and you got fired or, you know, put on leave or all the things, um, sure. Is there, is it, could you improve your life to, to learn and grow? Yes. I, I also think, you know, there are certain instances where the world could use way more forgiveness culturally. So, you know, that part, we, we may not fully see eye to eye, um, even though I know that work needs to be done on both sides, actually, I think just as much forgiveness needs to be worked on as well as, as making amends there. But I think in our personal relationships, 
I don't know. I just, I've, I've watched this destroy the, you know, the inability to take responsibility with a parent, with a kid, with a sibling. It's I've watched it ruin families. Yeah. You know, um, I have, I've watched it ruin families. And the thing is, everyone's going to make mistakes. It's got to be, you know, okay to make them, but, and accept that you're human. I think that's important, but it's just, I've had these fights and it's like, you'll never talk to that family member again. It's crazy. And that's the stuff. It's like my brother and I get past it. Sometimes we apologize. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> but we get past it. You know, my dad and I, I think sometimes we get past it. There are long periods of time where we don't talk. My mom and I, same thing. And I, I just don't want to do it with my kids or my wife. You know, yeah. that's the part that I'm like, oh man, I really don't want this. I don't want to do this with my kids or my wife. And that is really motivating me to try to learn how to do the work on making amends. I know that that's, that's what's yeah. motivating me personally. So anyway, I will stop talking and we will bring on the expert right after this break. All right, we are back and we have Rabbi Dania Ruttenberg talking about her new book on repentance and repair, making amends in an unapologetic world. Rabbi, welcome to the show. When I got your book and I heard all about you, I was instantly fascinated because the world is unapologetic. And you talk about focusing on what we can do to make amends as opposed to forgiving. No one's really talking about that. You hear about forgiveness all the time. And I'm wondering what made you go down that path, even though it's an obvious one to go down, no one is doing it. Right. We live in this culture that is all about letting it go, letting it go, forgive. And listen, when Me Too broke, um, there was all of this conversation about what needs to happen in order to let the perpetrator of harm back into the conversation and what do they need to do? And from my perspective, like we have a pen in Judaism. There is a, a map. We have Maimonides, who is this medieval sage who took a lot of Jewish wisdom that was in the world up until the 12th century when he was writing. And he organized it in what's known as the laws of repentance that we use in the Jewish world regularly. And we use it to talk about interpersonal harm. If I upset you or friends or coworkers, whatever. But the, the work of taking responsibility for your mistakes, of owning it, of learning from it, of centering the person that was hurt, of trying to heal to whatever degree possible that hole in the cosmos that you created, of making amends, of apology, of becoming the kind of person that doesn't do that again. Right? We have that guidebook and it is missing from American culture. So I started tweeting about it and writing up ads about it and, and people are hungry for it because you have to put the focus on healing what you have broken and, and keeping the focus on the person that was hurt and that that's not what our culture does. And people kept responding like they'd never heard such a concept and so the more I talked to people, the more it seemed like this needed a longer exploration. And I kept discovering that these same ideas applied to our culture, our institutions, our nation, our systems. It's all over. Okay. Now, it's been my experience, and it very well could be just my experience, that a lot of people can't even begin down that path or accept fault, even when they know they're wrong. Um, and I, I've often thought it's a self-worth thing. Like they don't have the sense of self or the confidence to feel comfortable admitting they're wrong. Do you think I'm making like a sweeping generalization or I'm coloring this with 
past personal experiences or do you think this is real and valid? Because I totally understand everything you're saying, but I wonder if the majority of us are evolved enough to even take that step. So this is another part of the way our culture talks about who we are. We are not our actions. We are human beings who make mistakes. And we often hear, for example, if a politician says or does something racist, you hear immediately people will say, but they don't have a racist bone in their body. It's like, we're not talking about their bones. We're talking about some words that came out of their mouth. And I can say that, you know, I, as a white person living in American society, which has a difficult and complicated history white supremacy and, you know, today is still working on it. I've internalized a lot of bad ideas and I have a lot of ideas that I have to work out of my own system. So even if I'm working the, the walking the path of anti-racism, I'm still going to inevitably make mistakes and screw up and be able to, to understand that I said or did something racist doesn't make me... Um, you know, incurably forever a horrible person who needs to go in the garbage, it means that I'm somebody that has work to do. And the more we can get to the place of, oh, I am a person who did a thing that means I have more learning to do, rather than, oh, I did something harmful, therefore all of me is wrong. Right. We, we've gotten to the point where we, we can't separate our actions from our, our true self um, and we can't get to the place of, of moving from seeing ourselves as the hero who is always good and always says and does the right thing and crossing that bridge over to seeing our impact and facing that sometimes we're the one causing other people pain even if we didn't mean it. And it's a painful place to cross, but it doesn't have to mean that we're bad. It just means that we're a person who screwed up. And the more we can be the person who crosses the bridge and faces and owns our stuff, the more we grow and become the person that other people trust, right? Well, here, okay. So there's two components to this though, because culturally it's not safe to be wrong because there is no forgiveness. That's part of the problem, I think, culturally. Personally, I think this is a very separate conversation. Personally, when I make mistakes with my mom, or I make mistakes with my kid, or I make mistakes with my wife, you know, there's forgiveness there. And I think there might be a safe space to go, all right. And even then, I personally, I'm like, I just don't see what I did here, because I'm unconscious about it, which I, I, just, I think this becomes, again, a, a whole separate beast culturally because it's so dangerous and everybody's throwing around labels and everybody's destroying lives and canceling careers and blacklisting people, you know, unless they go on the apology train, which I also don't know culturally is warranted. Like I personally don't think it's ridiculous that Tom Hanks has apologized for playing a gay man in Philadelphia. I think that he did wonders for the gay community in that movie and he raised awareness and he humanized AIDS and HIV. And I'm like, what are you doing, bro? Like, why are you sorry? Now, I think we all do make mistakes like you talked about as well, but there's gotta be some forgiveness there. So, so wouldn't those two things need to go hand in hand culturally or even personally? Listen, I think we all know the difference between somebody who is doing the work sincerely and somebody who isn't. When you look at, for example, Lizzo, who used an ableist slur, an undeniably ableist slur in her music uh, that was pointed out to her very strongly as soon as the music came out, as it should have been. And instead of doubling down or trying to justify or explaining or no, and I didn't know, and it means this other thing, she just went straight up. I didn't know. I made a change. I apologized. Accountability, responsibility, changed behavior, boom. Right. And there's, and, and, and the reason is, and she made it really clear in her statement, is that she cares about not hurting people. And she didn't want to be part of a system of hurting people. So that, that's a, a focus on, on impact. 
Okay, right? but I would and, say to you, here, here would be my argument. And you're not going to like this because I do actually okay. agree with you on the importance of making amends. But culturally, I think the world has gotten way too woke and people are afraid of the truth. And I think that's scary unto itself. Whereas I have a lot of friends who are, I was just at dinner the other night and they're huge in the music industry. And they couldn't believe she changed the lyric. And these are very liberal individuals. And they're like, John Lennon never changed the lyric. Lyrics are sacred. Like, this is what oh, she's saying. She feels about herself. I don't know. I, I tend oh, to agree that people shouldn't be. Sake. I'm a I writer. People... I get edited. Sometimes my words are great. Sometimes my words are terrible. Do you know how many different people of different backgrounds and how many various readers of backgrounds that are different from mine i had read my book so that i could tell read it from different perspectives to tell me if i had hit the mark or missed the mark because new information is good learning is good growing is good and you know that whole kill your darlings thing like get over it you can write another lyric it's they're not sacred they're words and you can if you're good enough you can write more words and if you're not good enough then take a deep breath and But I would also ask why everybody is so easily offended about nothing. Like some things are some things I agree, but like there, there are so many awful things going on in the world that we are not paying attention to truly hideous, horrible things. And we're going to get upset about a lyric and a song that she's talking about herself. That's the part where I, I think this is part of like, too quick to uh, attack and get offended and freak out. Now, I do, mind you, I totally agree. We're having two separate conversations. I totally agree with how important it is to take responsibility. I, I think I'm just talking to you about, you know, we're talking about culture. And my opinion is that I think the world is becoming way too sensitive about the wrong thing. So it's a bit of a different conversation. Um, but I, I just think people are apologizing. Eddie Redmayne apologized for playing somebody who was trans. And I, I'm like, why are you doing that? You didn't, I don't see anything like you're the one who is raising awareness and humanizing it. If you made a movie that dehumanized it, then I might understand you being like, God, that was so bad. Or you, you did say something racist or offensive or harmful. But in some cases, I think people are losing their shit about things they shouldn't be losing their shit about. And I, I would also argue that if the world wasn't so quick to attack and there was more of an education, but it's like, I attack you and you repent, sinner. And you you go on the apology, you know, walk and, and you get flogged. And it's just like, it's ridiculous to me. I don't, I don't think that's the way forward. I think it's got to be a combination of communicating and having that space of forgiveness so somebody can understand. And what if they don't always agree? Like, what if Lizzie was like, I feel this way. This is how I feel. Sometimes I feel like a spaz. And somebody was like, well, I'm upset. You think she needs to like, honestly say like, okay, I don't feel that way anymore because you're upset. I think you don't sound very curious to listen to the people who are harmed and to wonder about their perspective and to wonder about the impact. Okay. I do think that power matters a lot and who has power matters a lot. And I think how we think about harm and how we think about impact. When we think about who has money, who has platform and who has influence, we have to think about power. And when we think about the representations of, for example, um, queerness, when we think about the representations of lesbians throughout history, we can think about um, how much uh, putting out slurs and harmful representation can absolutely impact people's experience. It could, I mean, you know, it was not actually that long ago that uh, two women were not allowed to get get married. It was not actually that long ago. I remember in 2005 when they decriminalized sodomy nationwide, right? Like what okay. happens in the popular imagination impacts what happens on the policy level. How people, the words people use, the words that people with access to millions and millions and millions of followers impacts the words that other people use. And so when that disabled kid in the 
in the playground or in the high school, you know, whatever cafeteria gets called spaz because Lizzo told them it's okay. But it's, did you know, she? it doesn't it's matter okay. how she feels. It's causing someone else's trauma and that trauma matters. And so when someone is willing to listen and say, this is harmful to me, it is an act of openness and love and care. And it is true. It is true that not every artist and every creator is required to listen to every complaint and to make, to change their art based on every complaint. Right. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, But when we think about harm and culture and power, we need to be slow and thoughtful and we need to be willing to listen and we need to be willing to understand what the impact is before we make calls. Okay. But I would, I would also argue that in the game of victimology poker that people are playing, I hold a lot of cards, gay, a woman, my grandmother ran from the Nazis. My dad's an Arab. I mean, I got a black kid. I got a brown kid. I, I got a lot of these cards and I've heard a lot of things and I'm not the first one to jump and attack personally. So, you know, I'm the first one to usually say, you know, why do you feel this way? Or to try to show someone that I, I would never took the approach of being, you know, we're here, we're queer, get used to it. And I, I appreciate that other people did. And I, I think there's a combination. It's like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and they both right. ended up somewhere. That said, that my approach was more passive. It was like, let me show you who I am so you can get comfortable with it and see similarities. That was my personal approach. And I also feel that, like I said, I've heard a lot of things. It doesn't offend me. I, I think it's the other person's ignorance and what do I care? And I, 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 again, this is a separate, we're having a separate conversation because I really agree with you about the importance of making amends. I, I'm just saying culturally, I think people need to be, yes, m- more slow, I agree with you. Yes, more thoughtful, I agree with you, but equally less sensitive. And I think it's, you decide how you feel about you. And I, I don't think Lizzo is advocate. This is so ridiculous that I'm having this conversation about Lizzo, given, you know, supposedly I fat shamed her for not wanting her to get sick from ever being overweight. But nevertheless, the, the, I don't think that that's her intention. I, I, she clearly made it obvious that wasn't her intention. But to me, I was like, I don't even understand. Like, I, I heard about that at dinner. I was like, wait, what? What happened? She's people are mad at her for what? And I, I would say, I think the world, if you if, if you want people, in my opinion, to be more of all the things you're saying, I think we also have to be equally less aggressive because when you attack people for a mistake, they're inherently going to be defensive or, or I mean, I know I would be. I know a lot of people are. Um. But, and I'll let you have one more go at me, and then I want to come back and talk about the personal side of this. <laughs> so go ahead. This just may be a place where we disagree. And I think, I just think we have to look at the role of power in creating culture that we've had, for example, uh, generations of movies that let us know that it's absolutely okay for men to sexually assault women, right? The Porky's movies or the, you know, whatever, right? That there's all sorts of ways that rape culture is inscribed in our culture, right? Right. And so we can, we can make decisions about what kind of culture we have. And it, there are all sorts of ways that our media and our music and our movies and our TV matter. And, um, and I think a, this is a difficult, intermediate, weird sort of transitional time for us culturally. And it's an opportunity. Um, and I agree that, that there are times when, when it's very, that the conversation is very intense. Um, but I think, I think listening, doing power analysis and moving slow is, is really the key to, to trying to make it through this, this medium space. And hopefully we can move to, to a place where everybody feels seen and heard and, and where we can create culture that really honors and respects everybody. 
But then it has to be unilateral. Uh, but that's that's the you can't you can't say it's beautiful to have a black George Washington in Hamilton, but Tom Hanks is not allowed to play a gay guy. And it, these are Bill Maher. I'm stealing Bill Maher. I, I so for anybody who's like I heard this, it's because I I watched I watched him give a talk on those two things, and I was like I I agree with him. So I'm I'm stealing his points. But it it's also like you 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 were not allowing Lizzo to say spaz, but certain rap songs are like you know saying the most horrendous things about women but nobody says a word because you know this group doesn't have as much power as that group i i think that there's a there's a double standard that also makes it kind of difficult you know i am not i i am not the arbiter of all cultural anything okay i'm here to talk about uh, harm harm and repair and, and all uh, the only thing and i'm just going to keep repeating it is that when people with less power in our culture and disabled people are some of the people who are most harmed repeatedly and systemically throughout history and certainly the history of our country and definitely now uh, say this hurts ouch um like it's okay to listen I would and it's okay listen. to say what's the, made, what's the impact i i would absolutely listen i i of course i would listen i would try to understand there, there are just times i wouldn't personally agree and i would say listen this is how i feel this is my art this is my lyric i'm sorry that you feel this way but i had no malicious intent and this is i'm telling you how i feel i i just there are times i don't know that a an apology is warranted. But again, we're, we're all. How, how do you decide? I'm sorry you feel this way that this movie is, uh, you know, encouraging rape. Like, well, that's this not is the my same art, thing, right? though. I don't, I don't, I don't. How think... do you, but you're not disabled. You're not doing the listening to disabled people about the impact of the lyric. I, I hear you. I mean, I would have to really hear. I, you're right. I would have to listen because it's like, what are you telling me? If I tell you that I sometimes feel like I'm all over the place and I'm, I'm you know, like. So, so, so the question, the question is, why is that word such a problem? And why are people reacting so strongly to it? Why is it? I, I mean, such I didn't even know it was. I hate to say, like, I was like, it is. I didn't even understand that. I'm like, when did this Great. come up? Then? But, Great. but see, so, what if so I then said move, it? Move, move from not understanding. Go, go. Instead of going straight to judging, go, go, go into. Now I'm going to spend a bunch of time listening to people who have a relevant, relative, uh, sorry, relevant disability, and I'm going to say what, why, why is it an issue? Why, what does saying this word? cause in what way is your life worse if i say this word how is it not a shrug and move on situation i don't understand why this is such a big deal for you guys why are right. you being right and, and yes and, i agree with you right. totally but then there's so, got to be room for her to have that conversation too though without being like you bitch you she, or whatever but the thing is she listened part of what i'm trying to do with this book is move past the knee jerk and to invite people into hearing and conversation, but it's not, listen, uh, there are five steps in the accounting of harm that, I'm, that I try to lay out. Yeah. And the first step is owning the harm that you have caused fully, right? It's confession. It's owning and naming it. Here's what I did. Okay. And it's not, here's what I wanted to do. Here's what I meant to do. Here's what I was thinking to do. Here, I'm a really nice guy, but right. It's, it's, here's what I did. Here's okay. the, info. got it. And it's about owning your crap. And so in order to do that, you have to go deep in understanding the nature of the harm. You move past uh, the press release. You move past the Instagram post from your publicist. You move into like, what is the real impact here? And that's a much, that's a much more nuanced conversation. And I, I'm not interested, like the apology in repentance work is the last thing because it's about making changes. I know Cindy's going to tell me I need to take a break. And I obviously we have two through five. So, so don't hang up on me. Okay. <laughs> I'm still here. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hit steps two, three, four, and five. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back with Rabbi Daniel Ruttenberg, and we're talking about her new book on repentance and repair, making amends in an unapologetic world. 
And uh, we were on step two, Rabbi. And I was wondering if you could just float right back into that train of thought for me. Okay. So if step one of the process of repentance is uh, confession, is fully owning the harm, owning the thing that you did. Um, I stepped on your foot because I wasn't looking and I wasn't paying attention again because this is a habit I have, because I was looking at my phone, because I was drunk again, because whatever. I, it was me that ran over the cat that you all have been looking for. And I have been lying to all of you about it, right? I mean, I don't even know. I said something really transphobic in a staff meeting and da da da, right? I don't know like what the thing is, but you own it without, without hedging, without talking about your intentions. Step two is starting to change. Why did you do that thing? Why did you attack somebody personally on on main on twitter why did you um you know blow up this relationship why did you you know what is the deal with your anger problem why are you playing this authority issue game at work like what is it what is what's what 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 is the thing that you need to start to change and is it therapy is it rehab is it spiritual direction? You're doubling down on prayer or meditation. Are you calling up your sponsor? Are you starting deep work on anti-racism or some other issue that you need some education on, right? Like what is the thing you need to do to start to become different, right? That's step two. And step two might be going mm-hmm. on for a while. Like this, this is, I'm, it might be concurrent with everything else for a while, but you're starting to do the work because if you do all of the steps, but you're the same person by the end, you haven't done it. You haven't done the work. Okay. So with, with the, with the impetus, I mean, cause you got to, this is not easy work. Mm-mm. So you got to sell somebody obviously on the, why they need to do this work. So would the assumption be that the mistake has dramatically compromised the quality of their life as well? Listen, this isn't, I mean, I, yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, listen, it depends on what the thing is. Sometimes it's a little mistake, easy correction, yeah. easy learning on my part. We're going to both move on, right? Sometimes right. it's like, okay, this is going to take a few therapy sessions to, to work on why this punched my button so well or whatever it is, right? Um, right. But it is both, the repentance work is both an act of love and care for the person that you harmed. It's an act of love and care for anybody else that you might ever hurt. And it's an act of self-care, right? Don't you want to grow? Don't you want to be a, a better person? Don't you want to be right. somebody who uh, brings healing and not harm into the world? Like, you know, it's just an act of love for yourself to, to try to work on yourself a little. And, and you can, like, you can be the best version of yourself. Like, we call repentance work in, Jew- in Judaism, the Hebrew word is tshuva, which means returning, right? It's about coming back to the person you want to be. And so step two is about getting back on the track to who you, you're trying to be and who you know you can okay. be. Right. I understand. Okay. Um, so you start to do that, like coming back to yourself and your integrity. And then step three is amends. Um, so once you've started to work on yourself a little bit, then we let you back into contact with the victim, right? And, and if confession, by the way, can be really powerful for the person you hurt. It can be an end to gaslighting, right? It can validate their experience. It can validate their experience to other people. Like I told you all along that this person did this to me, or I'm not crazy. This person really did this to me, right? It, it can help them already. It can be powerful for their healing process. To be truthful, like I know you're, I know you've written this book about, you know, our culture today and 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 all of that, and I and I get it, but it's also so so relevant with interpersonal relationships because I think about the things I go through with my own parents, and it's crazy mm-hmm. how, but they don't see. My dad can tell you a story about my childhood, and I can tell you the same story, or. I don't even want to say my childhood as if I own the moment, but a moment from when I was a kid and I could tell you the same story and you would swear to God, you, these are two totally different stories. And that's what he remembers. And then I think to myself, like, am I nuts? Am I the one who's completely warped this story? You know, or is he, because I, I think some of this stuff is so hard to do because 
it's too painful to think we did it. I can't even see the part where I'm wrong. I know I'm wrong, right? I know it takes two of us. I know it's somewhere, but like, I, I can't even see it because I'm obviously so well defended against it. So, so like, what do you do there? Because I know what you're talking about. I mean, I hear you, you know, but if they have the self-esteem, like how do you even help them see it? It sometimes takes a really, really long time. Sometimes it never happens. Like, listen, there are, there are lots of families where it's, it, it never happens, where the person is just not able to see that the harm that they've caused. And sometimes it takes somebody coming to them and saying, you know, okay, well, I've been diagnosed with PTSD because of <sighs> X and Y thing that happened, you know, or whatever, right? And sometimes it's really dramatic and painful. There's a, a Jewish commentator that the Meiri, who's, who's a quote in the book, um, who talks about the ways that we're all immersed in, you know, our anger and our greed and our pain and our selfishness. And, um, you know, I have this image of like, you know, a fish that only knows the waters of, of sort of certain ways of being and doing. And it takes a lot <laughs> to get shaken out of that. Um, and to be willing to walk a different path and to be open to seeing other ways of being. Um, so I do talk about interpersonal repentance, by the way, in the book, but um, it takes a lot. That's way harder too than culturally, because that's like yeah. you hurt the person closest to you. It's most intense with the people that we love. And it's most, most intense when we're talking with our parents and children, because it's like these very primal buttons. I know. That's why when I, I saw your book, it, I was like, know, okay. Oh boy. <laughs> and, and, and it takes a while to, to even figure out. And that's why, you know, that even before starting the confession stage, there's all of this discernment to figure out what the thing is what is right. the thing that needs to right. be right. Um, right. named here yes i understand okay i'm sorry so you were on three right. um please continue please continue i didn't mean to interrupt you there sorry go it's ahead. all good it's all good this is i love the the non-linear here so uh we've got confession starting to change number three is amends we then go to the person we harmed and we say okay what what needs to happen here to make things right if i stole yeah. from you i need to give your money back right if right. I, you miss a, pl a flight because of me i need to pay you for that trip you know do i owe you um help with your professional opportunities because you missed a bunch you lost a bunch because of my actions did i do i you know if, if i stepped on your foot and i say oh, I'm going to help with your medical expenses. And you might say, actually, I have great medical care. What I need from you is something totally different, right? You don't have amends at the person. You have amends right. with them. I understand. It might, it might be giving time. Right. You know, it might be giving money. It might be using your connections or your access in a different way. It might be something else, but it's about doing what you can to sew up that hole in the cosmos in some way. Right. Mm. And it, it might be directly to the person you hurt or the people you hurt. It might be to a relevant organization that does, does that kind of work. Uh, you know, it really depends. Okay. Um, so that's amends. Um, and it can look like a lot of different things. And then after, after we have owned it, started to change, done amends, then we finally have apology. But by this time, it's not, I hope you understand that it's not, you know, oh, I'm sorry that you, da, 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 da. it's that you finally like get what actually you did to the other person. You're like, uh, oh, oh, right. Like you're deep in this education journey. You're like, finally get how much you had to like give back in order to, to make amends. And so it's not me saying the words so that I'm off the hook. It's that me like really getting how hurt you are and needing, wanting to communicate that to you because right. you matter, right? And because and yeah. letting you understand how sorry I am is important, not because I'm trying to check off the box. I get um, it. I totally understand that, right? And yeah. you're, you're putting... Now I, you're putting actions with intentions as well. So it's not just like, I'm sorry, but nothing changes. But if it's two-sided, you know, because it, it often is. Do you find that mm -hmm. it often is? I mean, culturally, yeah. it's different. But like in interpersonal relationships, it's usually like my kid will do something and I know she's a kid, right? But she'll still, she'll lie to me about something. And it really messes with our trust and it's, it's a problem. And then mm -hmm. 
There are times where I'll handle it well, and there are times I do <laughs> not, not so right. did not handle it well. And there was an incident yeah. that happened the other day, and I was good with it, good with it, right until this moment when I got the crocodile tears, and that pissed me off. And I was like, <laughs> and I did not handle that well. Because it was like she did something, something shitty, and then played victim, and I handled it like an asshole. And I was like, okay, you lied. You need to take responsibility for lying. You know, which doesn't happen on her end, but she's 12. But I should have said, like, sweetie, this is your mess and you made it and you're going to deal with it. Instead, I instead I acted like an asshole, like right there. And it's like and then no one says sorry. And I'm like, you're the parent. Say you're sorry about how you handled that. But it's so complicated because then you're like, well, I don't want to give her permission to think she wasn't wrong. Yeah. I mean, when 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 more than one person screws up, more than one person has to clean up their specific mess. I, I, I have this with with my children, you know, for each other and for me with my children all the time. Right. And by the way, is there a moment where sometimes you're like, look, I'm sorry for everything. You know what I mean? And you're sorry for everything. Is there a point where we got it? We, we stop hashing do you know what I'm saying? Like, is there a move on moment? Is that step five? I mean, listen, no. So, so, so let's go through all the steps and then, and then I'll talk about the, the two, the two people thing. Cause there's, there's too, too many things going on. So let's, yeah, you're so right. Sorry. Confession. No, it's all good. Right. It's all good. So confession starting to change amends apology. And then step five is making different choices. When you have the opportunity to do the same thing, you are so deeply changed You've already done so much work in therapy about why your buttons got pushed by the thing, or you, are, uh, you know, you have been walking the path of anti-racism. So that doesn't mean you're never going to screw up again, but it means that you at least get why you screwed up on the other thing and are not going to do that again. Or mm. you're doing the work, whatever the work is, you've set up systems yeah. in your organization. So HR is not going to bury the sexual uh, abuse complaint again. Right. right. Yeah. You know, you have maybe changed some policies in your country so that we're not going to be replicating white supremacy again and again and again. Like, you know, because it's it's the same thing. You will you will play out your anger in a new situation. You will play out your fear of intimacy in a new situation. So that's that is step five is like that's how right. you know you've done the work is that you're different and that you actually mean it. And with two people, sometimes you need to sort of have a, I mean, you know, in the household, it's like everybody have a time out and um, calm down and take a deep breath, uh, you know, parents included. And um, everybody's got to clean up whatever their mess is. And in my house, that happens not infrequently where there are multiple people, sometimes two kids, sometimes one adult <laughs> and one kid or whatever kind of going like, well, I'm sorry for this part of it and the other, you know, and, and here's, yeah. here's what's going to happen. And let's, let's sort of think this through. And my kids have been trained. Like the first question is always, are you okay? Mm. The second question is, what do you need? The third question is, what do you want? And then we get into the I'm sorry's and all of that, but, um, and, you know, figuring out what's going to happen differently and how to change and, you know, they're kids like, I know patterns change slowly. It's like deathbed kind of shit doing the work you're talking about. And that's my goal is to get to the deathbed and have done this work you're talking about. But it is not easy, Rabbi, which I guess is why you wrote the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it's not it's not easy. And you don't want to get to the deathbed with the stuff undone. You want to, it's, it's gotta be, a, if you do it as a regular practice all the time. And I say this as somebody who's didn't used to, and now does do this. Really? Like, yeah, you make it a regular practice. You make it a discipline. It's, it's not, it, it gets easier and easier. You just like, you're a human being, you screw up. And then, the you know, it becomes a, a thing about like, Oh no, Oh, I'm gonna have to deal with it, and there's the you know, kind of inevitable feeling of dread about having to like face the thing yes. and like, what's the lesson here? I don't want you know, and like, the, there's the squirminess. Like, there, of course, like, they're, they're, it's not always fun, but um, you get to then you get you have an opportunity to a take care of another human being or another yeah. group of human beings because they are the ones that matter, right? right. Other, it's about giving love and caring and saying like, whether you're an individual or whether you're a group of people, like you, you are, you matter to me. 
And I have an opportunity to learn and grow and like taking care of other people while I have an opportunity to learn, learn and grow is net positive all around. Yep. A hundred percent. You know, and I also think, you know, I don't know if other people struggle with this or I don't know if this is something you talk about in the book, but guilt is like the worst. And I've noticed that when I can come clean, whether it's with my wife or with my mom or my dad or the kids, it's, it is as though a thousand pounds is off my chest, even though you're right. It's all the squirmy, gross feeling, whatever. But when it's done, I feel better. I do yes. Yes. I feel cleaner. You'd think, you know, we would remember these, these basic fundamentals. So I love that you're really digging in on that and, and bringing that to the forefront, because as much as I, I gave you a hard time in the beginning, <laughs> I really do agree with the, the huge majority of what you're saying. I think I just, I would only debate on what, what is a mistake or, you know, you know, certain aspects of, of culture, but I agree with everything you're saying and doing the work you're talking about. And that's a really big reason I, I was so, I am so happy to have you on the show. Um, and I think the book is something we all really need to read and spread the word teach people how to do it and lead by example also is so, so important. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope it will help. I really, I believe that a world where we can figure out how to lovingly take responsibility for our mistakes and um, take care of each other is a better world. So can't disagree with you, but cannot disagree with you. Uh, Everybody. Rabbi Dania Ruttenberg, the book on repentance and repair, making amends in an unapologetic world. I think we can all benefit from reading this book. I think that's become evident <laughs> over the course of this show. Please come back. I, I cannot wait for your next book. And I, I, if you'll have, uh, if you'll have me, I'd love to go a couple more rounds with you. I think you're fantastic. I'd be honored. Thank you so much. If you're enjoying the show, do us a big favor and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because it just helps us get the show out there, get it heard by more people. We really appreciate it.